If you have your Bibles, won't you please open up to Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 to uh, 46 this morning. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. You can go there on your phones if you have an electronic version. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Two very short parables that, um, that Jesus uh, preached. We're going to be looking at this morning, uh, focusing on the second And so if you're there, let's read together from verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, Jesus isn't finished. He gives another side to the story. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Uh, opening this morning, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever asked yourself the question, you know, what is life really all about? Hey, any of you ever said, is there any real meaning to what I'm doing? You have sometimes these moments when in the mundaneness of life and as you're driving to work and it's maybe you've been in the same job or the same space for a long period of time and you're kind of just going, what is the point to all of this? Have any of you ever asked that question? You can raise your hands, yes. Christians ask it too, those who cross the line of faith, yeah. So uh, this morning, <laughs> if we're really honest with ourselves, life is a beast from time to time, not so? And... Uh, There is just something about being human that when you are born on this planet, you are searching for meaning. And the way that we do that is we tend to try and track our lives by meeting various goalposts. So so let's say you're a matric here this morning and you're studying so hard and finally you get your matric and you're like, yes, I can qualify now. I have an education to go further either into tertiary education or find work. But there for a moment... You've found a goalpost in which you can hang your identity, your value, where you belong in life. I'm a matric. But the problem comes in when you notice the next goalpost. <laughs> and you realize after a couple of weeks of celebrating, you're finishing your final. Suddenly, you've got to choose now and do your degree if you're lucky enough to study or find a job. And you're now faced with, actually, I've got another one to go. So you leave everything that you invested. And now you go and you find the next one, and then when you get there, you do the same thing, but then you realize, hang on, everybody else seems to be finding a life partner. I better start thinking about that, or maybe I've got to start thinking about having kids, or maybe you feel like you've never quite reached the goalpost that somebody else has, so you're feeling a bit left behind. I'm telling you, goalposts are beasts, and uh, the problem is, this is the problem, when you seek to hang your identity and value and meaning when you reach a goal, those goalposts aren't stable they tend to fall over. (laughs) And for some of us here this morning, we know the devastation of when we have built our identity around something. Maybe it was a spouse you've lost to cancer, or maybe you've gone through a terrible divorce, or maybe you've built your identity around your health, and suddenly your health just fails. You hit with something. Perhaps it's your children. Maybe some of you have had the devastating loss of a child, or a child that you no longer have a relationship with, or they leave home, like my mother, who still cries when, they, when we leave. Um, even when I just go home, she gets a bit tearful, you know, from time to time. It's just how it is. And the worst part about it is, I think deep down inside, you and I are looking for that one goalpost that's not going to fall over, and that we're kind of, when we look back on our lives, go, we found it. It was worthwhile. My life had meaning. 
And that creates a tension in our lives because actually what we tend to start doing is start going, well, I could miss the one goalpost. I could actually find how many of you ever stress about the fact that maybe you've missed what God has for you or maybe what you thought your life would look like and you're stressed. There's regrets. Maybe there was a moment in your life looking back and you're going, maybe I missed it. Just an aside for those of you who in my generation, you know the reason why you don't want to commit in marriage or to a certain career path, why we are so restless is because we actually are fearful that when we put all in into something, it's not going to be the one thing. And so the characteristic of us changing jobs all the time and being a, a generation that can't seem to put down roots, it's because deep down inside, we worry we're going to miss that one thing. Well, how about you in this situation? You've just got so many goals that you've got to aim for. You're a mom or a dad, and you've got to be a great parent, or you've got to be a great spouse, or a great in your workplace, or great, you've got to focus on your health, or on your home. And sometimes at night, I'm willing to bet, when the crazy day is over, and you put your head on the pillow, you're going, surely life's got to be simpler than this. Hey, surely life doesn't have to be so complicated that I feel weary all the time. Surely... How am I knowing I'm getting it right? Because all of these things are promising me something that, I've, that, that I could invest in and give me a great return. But I can't seem to hit all of them. And the worst one is this. And as a young minister, I have had only a few of these encounters. But the one goalpost we don't ever think about is death. We work so hard to avoid it. But when this goalpost comes up, you see, we get taught, you've got to live in the moment. That's how we get trained, right? You've got to live in the moment. But actually, what happens when there's no more moments coming? And we are left as a human race with massive questions about what is on the other side of that goalpost death. And what that goalpost does is it tends to frame our entire lives and put things into perspective that we thought was so important, but actually, at the end of the day, we're nothing. And I want to say to you this morning, if that's how you feel life is, what Jesus is saying in these parables will be like a breath of fresh air for you. Because he is saying there is just one thing that if you focus on, everything else will fall into place. And if you're like me, I find tremendous relief in that. He says, if you focus on this one thing, and he describes it in these two parables as the hidden treasure, he describes it as the pearl of great price. And when these guys found it, they left everything for it. It was life-changing. It was worth more than anything else that their life could ever have obtained. Jesus said, this is what I'm talking about. That there is something, there is one thing, that if you run hard after, you'll find what you're looking for. You know what it is? It's a relationship with God. And this morning, I want to tell you about a story of a guy called Augustine, famous guy in the church. He was largely the guy that helped the church find its course in a very difficult time in history. But he had a checkered past. He was a guy who had a mom who was a heavy Christian. Any of you, don't put your hands up. <laughs> Any of you come from a home where you had to attend Sunday school, you had to attend that catechism, you had to attend that confirmation, even though you weren't there, you kind of just did it. He had a mother like that. 
she was uh, scary. And uh, he decided as soon as he was of age, he left home, and he then met a lady, and they became lovers. And for 15 years, out of that relationship, they had a son, big scandal for the mom. And uh, he then was searching. He said, you know, I found this person. I had this boy, but I'm not happy. And he found a philosophy called Manichaeism, Manichaeism, which was the complete opposite. It was a complete suppression of any pleasure. And what he did was he abandoned, don't do this, he abandoned his uh, partner and his son and left them. But eventually one day, he found, encountered Jesus. And you know what? St. Augustine said, listen carefully to these words. His response to Jesus was this. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. That's it. And this morning, this pearl of great price, it's a person. What Vickers shared this morning was spot on. And this pearl of great price is a relationship with the God of the kingdom of heaven. That's what it, he's talking about. The kingdom of heaven is like this hidden treasure or this pearl of great, great price. It is having an intimate connection with God. I want to ask you, do you have that this morning? And Jesus describes this in different ways. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, this pursuit... This encounter with Jesus, it is the defining priority of our lives. He, he explains like this, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. There is a priority. He also says in Luke chapter 10 verse 42 to busy Martha, Martha is so distracted with the serving that she doesn't get the fact that Jesus Christ is in her home. How awesome is that? Imagine Jesus Christ rocked up for lunch, Vickers. Would you be washing dishes? You'll make coffee. <laughs> Imagine Jesus Christ comes and rocks up for your house. It's your house for lunch. And what's Martha doing? She's cleaning everything. And she's, and she's getting upset that Mary, her sister, is sitting at the feet of Jesus and leaving her to do all the hard work. And when she complains, Jesus says to Martha, 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 you've got to love it. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. Here it is, which will not be taken away from her. Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, we've just been through the book of Timothy. That church of, of Ephesus, Jesus writes to John and says, you tell that church of Ephesus this thing. He says, I have this one thing against you. You have abandoned your first love. How about this, the apostle Paul, who met Jesus, the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus, could say at the end of his life, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. King David, this great man who defeated Goliath, didn't care about his exploits. When he came before God, he didn't talk about how great a king he was. He said, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, 
to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And in case you misunderstand me this morning, what Jesus is talking about here, it's not our initial salvation. What Nateska was proclaiming from the front is what happens the second you come to faith in Jesus. And when you become a child of God, what happens is you suddenly gain access into this relationship. And that is why Jesus is so important. It's because Jesus is the only way we are able to have a relationship with God. And that is why the Bible says, if you want to have a relationship with the Father in heaven, if you want to have access to the kingdom of heaven, there's only one way, and that is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And the way that we have a relationship with God is removing all the chach that's in our hearts and all the consequences of our decisions bad and our decisions we never made that actually separate us from a pure God who has no chach. He's got nothing in him whatsoever. And so when you start to come into the presence of a God who is totally pure, the only way you can come in is if you're washed and cleaned by the blood of Jesus. And so the reason why I make this point is some of us have the misperception, and I was so excited when I saw this in the Scripture, that Jesus is talking about finding salvation. He's not. He's talking to his disciples in this verse. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 36, it was the disciples that came close to him. It's the disciples, those who have crossed the line of faith, those who've come to place and said, Jesus, I'm staking my life on you. I'm following you. They left homes. They left careers. They left businesses to follow and stay in the presence of Jesus. And he's saying to you guys that are coming in after me, this is for you. And we know for a fact that this selling all to get this precious pearl or to buy this precious treasure cannot be speaking about salvation because salvation's free. It's a gift. And for you this morning, forgiveness of sin and access to the presence of God, it's given to you freely in the blood of Jesus. We also know it cannot mean salvation because the gospel's not hidden. I'm telling you right now how to find a relationship with God, how to start having access to Jesus. It is by coming to a place of believing the word proclaimed to you that Jesus is the only way to eternal life, that he is real, that he died for It is free. And so this morning, what I'm talking about, don't misunderstand. Don't think I've already found the pearl of great price. The pearl of the great price or the hidden treasure is not your initial faith step. It's more. It's more. What Jesus does when you see him as your Savior and you come to him and you confess him as your Lord, you say, Lord, forgive my sin. That moment you are born again, the scripture says that you are made a new person. It is the qualifying act which gives you access to enjoy the adventure of knowing God more. And this happens in two ways. Have you ever wondered why Jesus tells two parables? And they almost seem to say the same thing. It's because the way we encounter a deeper relationship with God happens in two ways. The first is by accident. And that's what happened. You have a laborer, and he's digging. And man, when he's digging, he strikes gold, and he sees this treasure. He wasn't particularly looking for it. 
He wasn't particularly hungry after it or studying it or, or, or trying to think. It just rocked up in his life, and when he saw it, man, he had to go sell everything to get it. This happened to a friend of mine called Calvin. We were high school buddies, and um, he came along with me to a, a, a Christian high school camp, which our school ran. And on the Friday night, he responded to this message that I'm talking to you about, about Jesus being the means of forgiveness for sin. And he stood up when, he, when the guy said, who wants to receive Jesus? He stood up, and, and, and my buddies and I were like, yes, Calvin stood. That's amazing. And then the, the speaker said, well, let's come around and let's pray for those who stood up. And so I came around and put my hand on my mate. And I just was, I, pray, I started praying this one prayer. I said, Jesus, would you please just show Calvin more of who you are? And I had not even finished that prayer when I opened my eyes and saw Calvin crashing into the overhead projector. <laughs> and the first thing that went through my mind was, the overhead projector, is it okay? Like I, I mean, I wasn't too concerned about my friend because I knew we didn't have the cash to replace it. Secondly, I, then I thought, is Calvin okay? He was absolutely fine. But putting the falling it down inside, what I was struck by after the shock was going, he's just met with God. Five seconds after just saying he saw enough in Jesus to go, I want him, to going, I've met him. And I say this because the next morning when Calvin woke up, he was radiant. My friend, that was not the same Calvin I knew the day before. If you had asked Calvin, is Jesus alive? That moment, he would have said to you, Jesus is more real to you than Matt standing next to me. I met him last night. There was five seconds after his coming to faith, an encounter with God that radically changed Calvin. But I knew that in the same venue, there were those who were like the merchant. A merchant's educated boy. If they had to ask him anything about pearls, he knew exactly about pearls. He was so different to the laborer who was uneducated. A merchant spent his life seeking one thing. It was pearls, fine pearls. He was spending his life on finding the greatest pearl he could find, and he hadn't found it yet. And I bet you today, this morning, there are many who witness other people being encountered with the life of Jesus. And you feel like you're looking on the outside in going, God, I'm desperate for more of you. When are you going to meet me? And so Jesus tells these two parables because essentially you're either the laborer who has encountered God by sheer grace. My friend Calvin did not go into with any agenda on Friday night at the youth camp. Or you're like the merchant saying, God, I'm seeking you. And I want to make the case, whether you've been the laborer in the past, you're the merchant today, because the Apostle Paul was not satisfied with the Damascus road that he experienced. You would think that Paul would be, I have met Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. Paul said, it's not enough. At the end of his life, he was going, I consider everything else rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus more. And so my aim this morning is to stir you up to go, how satisfied are you with where you are in God? Because I want to say, if you will become like the merchant, you will find something worth more than what you ever imagined. And there are three things I want us to look at this morning in what we can learn from the merchant who 
wasn't quite satisfied yet with what he had. He was still looking. The first is, we're going to look at what kind of a person is this merchant. That's important because there was something intrinsically in him that was driving him to find these fine pearls. Secondly, how did he look? How did he look for these pearls? And how did he discover the pearl of great price? And thirdly, when he found it, this is very important, how did he lay hold of it? So the first is, what kind of person do you have to be to find this deeper, special, intimate, growing, powerful relationship with Jesus? Well, the first was, the merchant was a specialist. Now, in Jesus' day, this pearl merchant, he was unlike the majority. Most of the people in Jesus' day were unskilled. They didn't have um, a lot of very specialized knowledge. There was a few professions that actually knew a lot about what they were doing, and the, the pearl merchant was one of them. It took years to become a competent pearl merchant. You would have to be having like an apprenticeship. You'd have to study pearls. You'd have to handle pearls. This man was shaped by a special interest. And I want to ask you this morning, what shapes your interest, your passion, your desire in this life? Is it perhaps to be recognized as someone famous? Or to be an amazing parent or grandmother? To get a, a greater education? Be more successful in your job? Earn more money? Be comfortable till the day you die? What is it that is shaping the thing that you are giving your time and thought to? Well, the first point is this is essentially Jesus is saying the Christ follower is a specialist. And he's a specialist and she's a specialist in knowing God. And so everything that a pearl merchant did was to grow in his ability to spot the price. Is as Christ followers, we ought to do the same. And so we read our Bible, we come to church, we pray, we seek God, we find help from those that have gone before us. We specialize in one thing that is above everything else. It is how do we get more of God. Secondly, a pearl merchant was somebody who was ambitious for one thing. Notice he sought only one thing. He was looking for fine pearls. And if you had to ask that pearl merchant 12 o'clock, if Natesco knocked up at his door and said, pearl merchants, if there's one thing I can get you, what would it be? He would have said, fine pearls. Find me the best agent possible to get hold of the finest pearls. And he had refined his ambition down to one major thing. I'm sure he had other things, but there was really one life ambition that was driving this man, and he's specializing in what he was giving his attention to. It was the search of pearls. And I want to ask you this morning, if I had to ask you, if at the end of your life, what would be your defining mark or ambition? What would it be? Would it be that you spent your life on this one major thing of encountering Jesus more? Thirdly, he was after something authentic. He knew what a real pull looked like. He had felt those pearls, examined them. He knew, a pearl merchant knew, that based on the smoothness, the size, the color, the value of a pearl was measured. He didn't study it in a textbook. 
He didn't do it from a distance and heard about from secondhand what a pearl is like. No, no. He knew what an authentic pearl is. And I want to ask you this morning another question and ask, are you only satisfied with an authentic encounter with God? Because a person who is driven to know God more, he's not copy and pasting. He's not happy to have a secondhand encounter of anybody else's. He can see what he wants. She can see that she doesn't have it. And he can tell you that when he's got it, he'll know. I want to ask you, is that you this morning? Are you hungry for an authentic encounter with God? And are you not willing to settle for anything less? Moving away from the kind of person the merchant was, we come to what or how the, person, the merchant actively sought these fine pearls. And the first is that we see he was open. If you read carefully into this text, he was surprised by what he discovered. This amazing pearl of great price, it caused him to sell everything he had. He got more than he was bargaining for. And I want to ask you again this morning, will you be willing to be open to however God wants to show himself to you? You see, the danger is when we look around us, we start to see so-and-so hearing God in that way, encountering God in this way, in this place, in that time, where actually God is asking us this morning, in order for him to answer your prayer of wanting him more, would you let him come to you in whatever way he decides because he comes in creative and surprising ways? I'll share a story about another friend of mine called Tandy at high school. And Tandy lost her parents in a tragic motor vehicle accident. One of them, another one died, I think. So she was basically parentless before she was well into her teenage years. But Tandy had experienced what all of us could see, this finding, this pearl of great price. If you ask Tandy one thing that she was after in her life, she'd say, I want to know Jesus more. And I remember saying to Tandy one day, Tandy, don't you regret losing your parents? Imagine that. Extended family are looking after you. You've got no mom and dad. And uh, really, all that you've got is this aunt or uncle and I was kind of expecting Tandy to say, Tandy, you know, I wouldn't blame you if you were maybe a bit bitter towards God. But Tandy said, you know what I've come to realize, Matt? Is I've come to realize I lost my parents, but I gained Jesus. And I lost an earthly father, but I've learned to lean and look to a heavenly one, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I want to say to you this morning, God might answer your prayer through a sickness, some suffering. My mom came to me this week. She says, you won't believe what's happened to a friend of mine who almost died from a reaction to a medication she was giving. For years, my mom has prayed with this friend, and they've been an encouragement to each other. But when she came this last time to her friend, she said there's something different about her. When I walked in, there was a journal, a Bible on the bed. She can't leave the house. She's stuck. All she's got is this time to pray and to seek God. And she said... Something has happened to my friend. She has discovered how intimate Jesus can be. And friends, I want to say to you this morning, Calvin met God at a youth camp Friday night, five seconds after salvation, and it manifested through him being struck to the ground with the glory of Jesus. But I want to say, in my conversation, God's coming people in their cars, when they've prayed privately in their rooms, there has just been this outpouring of intimacy and the power of the Spirit that you just know it is so authentic, it is so real, it is so satisfying. You are encountering this personal God of heaven that you wouldn't trade it for anything. 
And this morning, I want to say, take your eyes off your neighbor, put your eyes on Jesus, and you don't let him go until he's met this desire for more of him, and you let him be God. God in your life wants a free hand. He wants to come to you however he decides, and you just be open. You know, this, these pearl merchants would have to travel to some of the most obscure, difficult terrains to find these pearls. But wherever those pearls led them, they were willing to go because they wanted the prize. Secondly, this man was intimately connected to his prize or what he was looking for. He wasn't studying it in books. He wasn't just getting an academic perspective of pearls. If you were a pearl merchant, man, you had to know what a pearl was in your hand. And I want to say this morning again, Friends, if we are to grow in our relationship with Jesus, it only comes through desiring intimacy with Him. David could say, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. Paul could say that he was bent on discovering more and more of Jesus. Here is a man not talking about a concept or a value system or an asset. He was encountering the living God. And I want to say this morning, our posture is one of approaching a person. Thirdly, he had insight. He knew when he saw it that what really was of great value, and this is my concern, and this is why I believe God has put this on my heart, is so often in life, we lack the insight because we just forget. That actually the thing that really matters, the thing that's of the greatest value is right in front of us. And as a Christian, you have it. It is this relationship with God. And fourthly, it is this as well, is that his search was active. And my concern is this, and I am constantly having to wrestle with this in my own life, is too many of us are saying, one of these days I'm going to get around to seeking God more. One of these days. And the days roll on, and the years go by, and intention never moves to encounter. This pearl merchant was seeking. And lastly, my last major point, unpacked, is what did this merchant have to do to acquire this pearl of great price? Do you notice that in order to get it, he had to sell all? Now, I don't know about you, but that strikes me as profound. Because... He couldn't have both. He couldn't hold on to the past or what was previously precious to him in order to get what was being offered to him. It cost him. And this morning, I will be doing you no favor to say, this is what's on offer to you, but it's going to come without there being any self-denial. Friends, this pearl of great price, this deeper encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ of knowing the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in a deeper, more personal, and intimate way comes with a tension in our lives. And the tension is this, is if you want more of Him, you're going to have to let go of more of yourself. You can't have both. And this morning, I want to appeal to you and ask you, what is the thing in your life or things that are competing with a deeper relationship with Jesus?
He had to sell it all. Is it your reputation, what people think about you? Is it your comfort? Is he asking you to give up some stuff, some extra shifts, some things that you need to give more time to him, or some things that are seriously competing for headspace with God? Is it a sin? Is it an unmet need? Is it a certain relationship that you know? Secondly, selling all meant that he had to part with him for good. It's not like he just lent it or it was some sort of exchange. He sold it. It became the rightful property of somebody else. In other words, when we are going to pursue Jesus, we have to realize when God asks us to give it up, we give it up permanently. And you want to know what the hardest part for me is in growing in my relationship with Jesus is I constantly let stuff or take stuff back. In order to get this pearl of great price, we've got to let it go for good and refuse to take things back we've sold. And lastly, is that it meant that he had to give up some things that were dear to him. Dear to him. And friends, this morning, I want to ask you, what is it that is blocking, that is competing, that is distracting you from your life's mission to finding this pearl of great price. And you might be, like me, squirming a little bit at times of going, man, I've got to give up so much. Don't forget, what God is offering far exceeds what you are being called to lay down. A merchant does not trade for a loss. A merchant doesn't even trade for an equal value. He only trades for a profit. And friends, he would only have made this deal if he knew this was the chance of a lifetime. This pearl of great price was the thing he was looking He knew it was worth selling all to get because the value of what he was obtaining far outweighed what he was losing. And I promise you, I promise you this morning, if you will lay it down, it will be your finest moment of inheriting and experiencing something you will never regret. But I also lay, and I, and I make this promise, it does come with a warning, is that if we don't do this, I promise you it will come with regret. And so this morning, I want to remind us of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 to 27. He says, He told his disciples, the very people he told this parable to, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And forfeits his soul. For here it is. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Friends, it might seem in the short term you're losing. But in the long term, if you aim for this one goal of growing in your relationship with Jesus of making him the prize of your life, of your time, of your attention, and you will give yourself in pursuit of it, I promise you, when the kingdom of heaven is revealed in its fullness, 
you will not regret it. But if you don't, you will. And remember, as we go into communion, God is not asking us to do anything He hasn't done Himself for us. Do you know who the pearl of great price is for God? It's you. Do you know what He gave up to get you? His most precious possession, Jesus Christ. And you know what you do when you give yourself in pursuit of Him? You are giving Him what He has paid for with His Son. You are giving Him you, and you are His pearl of great price. And this morning, as we're going to be picking up this juice and this bread, and we're going to be holding this tangible witness of what we received in Jesus, this is the payment for you. This is the payment to get you. And this is the payment that it took to have a relationship with you. You are the pearl of great price to God. And I want to say to you this morning, as you pick up this bread and as you pick up this body, would you respond to what Jesus has done? This is only for the believer. I want to encourage you that if you have not crossed the line of faith, don't give in to peer pressure. Just let it pass by. But if you're ready to receive Jesus, this is for you. We do this in remembrance of Jesus Christ. And it's done in the atmosphere of a supper, relationship. It's done in the atmosphere of closeness, of intimacy. This is your evidence of the Father's desire for you. And would you eat of it and drink of it this morning? with a deep desire again to follow the example of what Jesus did, giving up his life to get you. And would you respond the same this morning? And I want you to take this opportunity to think about your life. You may already know it. Perhaps you already know it. What is competing for the pearl of great price? And let's eat and drink imitating Jesus. I'm going to ask you just to be still. We're going to stay. We're going to serve you this morning as a sign of what Jesus has done. I'm going to ask those who are assisting to do so. Hold on to the elements. Spend this time focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ.
as the last of the elements of being handed out. Let's just bow our heads and as we hold this body and blood, these representations of what Jesus Christ means to us. Let's just pray together. Father, as we just see this enormous gift, this evidence of your love for us in our hands, the body of your only Son, the blood of Jesus, shed for us. Lord, it makes us feel so loved. It makes us feel so special. It makes us feel so wanted. Lord, we're so grateful. We were your pearls of great price. We are. And that, Lord, this morning as we eat and drink, we eat in celebration of what you've done for us, Jesus. But, Lord, we're asking may we eat and drink this in a right spirit of knowing that, Lord, just as you've given, so you're asking us to give. Freely we have received. Freely you call us to give. So this morning, Lord, we want to ask, let this be a defining moment for us in our lives. May we see afresh, or as we see afresh, the call of heaven to know the living God. I pray that, Jesus, you would stir us up to find you in whatever way we can. We ask as we do so, Lord, we lay aside all that is hindering that this morning to find you, God, the pearl of great price, we pray. Speak to us, challenge us, help us sell it all, leave it for good. For the sake of this one prize, we pray. In Jesus' name, let's eat and drink together.